Wow. Welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by top London radio DJ and certified Japanophile, Mr. Pete Donaldson. Pete, how the devil are you? I'm feeling good, Chris. I've got a Pret-a-Manger meaty pot. Uh, I've just eaten the egg and I've got the sausages for later. Wow. <laughs> you and your decadent lifestyle. That's my morning. As a radio DJ. <laughs> oh. no, Is Pret a Manger a UK only thing or do we have that everywhere in the world? We have them definitely in, I think I've seen some in Hong Kong. But I think, yeah, it mainly is an English thing, yeah. And, and to be honest, they seem to be mostly concentrated around train stations. For listeners that don't know what Pret a Manger is, mm. what is it? How would you describe it? In it's a, sentence? a sandwich shop uh, with several breakfast and uh, patisserie options that have a lot of brushed metal in there. There's a lot of aluminium in a Pret-a-Manger, but they do do some nice stuff. They vary up their uh, fare quite a lot. Have you, have you actually finished your meaty pot, or are you going to be eating it whilst we do the podcast? No, I will have one at the end. I will finish my meaty pot at the end. Uh, but if you permit me to uh, drink my Starbucks, uh, hashtag pay your, pay your tax, um, uh, that'll be all right, <laughs> won't it? If I do a little slurp every now and again, off, off mic. <laughs> Unbelievable. Western <sighs> culture. You, Starbucks, Starbucks in one hand, meaty Starbucks. pot in the other. <laughs> Starbucks. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, there's me being uh. woken up by a ruddy typhoon. There's been so many typhoons recently it's driving me insane mm. this uh this rather troublesome typhoon that's just come through japan called typhoon trammy i don't know what that trammy. name means or who had trammy t-r-a-m-i i don't know <laughs> where the name comes from or who gets the the lovely job of naming them but yeah. uh, it's not been a fun typhoon i didn't even where, where i live in north japan we get like not we don't bear the brunt of the typhoons. They mm. usually hit Okinawa hard, right? Uh, and there's footage. If you look online, you can see cars being blown away by this typhoon. It's Whoa. said to be one of the most powerful ones since 1992, I think. Uh, and the footage is terrifying. You know, there's roofs being blown away, cars being flipped over, people who can't stand up in it. Um, but yeah, by the time it got here, it died down a bit. But it was still very noisy, and it blew over a tree just outside my apartment, actually. So yeah, it was it was pretty. Daunting. Certainly mm. the the most powerful typhoon I've ever endured or slept, tried to sleep through. Um, but yeah, typhoons, Japan, woo. I, ca- I can't imagine um, how much stress that puts on um, local council kind of um, like money. I mean, just getting trees righted and roofs replaced and insurance paid out. And all that stuff. I can't imagine all the rescue effort and making sure that all of the old people are safe and stuff. I can't imagine how much that costs to a municipal council's yeah. uh, budget. Well, I mean, the worst thing was, they, I think they, they shut down all the trains in Tokyo mm. um, as well in, in the run-up to it. All the Shinkansens and local trains were cancelled, mm. which would have blown a massive hole through the economy. There's footage of Shibuya Crossing, the world's busiest crossing, just lie, like laying silent. And I saw a video of a live a live video feed of Shibuya Crossing and just some random guy goes out into the middle of the crossing on his own and starts like jumping up and down like a clown um, <laughs> because he was so delighted to have it all to himself. So I suppose the one good thing to come out of the typhoon is it made somebody's day. Yeah, I think so. A dream came true. <laughs> Before he was blown into Tokyo Bay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mary Poppins. Um, 
In terms of topic today, mm. I thought we would tackle host clubs, hostess clubs, uh, because of an article I saw. Before we get to the article, though, there's something mm. else that kind of links into it. We got an email in our wonderful uh, fax machine. That doesn't really make sense. Do emails <laughs> go to a fax machine? I, I think don't you know. Could probably we do just that. Play it as we go. With a modern yeah. printer, you could probably do it, I reckon. Scat- I used uh, a big, uh, one of the big printers at uh, my radio station yesterday to um, scan in a lot of. Um, my my, uh, my business uh, banking account statements because using I needed office to, equipment for using office gain, equipment for me. personal gain. Well, not personal gain. <laughs> personal sending them to my feckless accountant. Um, and uh, yes. I just sort of thought, if I go on holiday with a mate, they'll always write something embarrassing when they reimburse me, like send the money back effectively if I book the hotel um, or the car or something. Example. Um, Spices. Somebody wrote spices. Somebody wrote big dildo, and another person wrote sex <laughs> festival. So I've got to go to my accountant and say I didn't go to a sex festival. I didn't buy a particularly expensive dildo, and I'm not, you know, buying drugs. Spice. <laughs> Once again, our family-friendly demographic. We are has not been family friendly. Destroyed, especially with this the topic. Stories <laughs> of Pete Donaldson's expenses. Especially with the short topic um, we've got. <laughs> Bloody hell. Well, I suppose this topic kind of fits in with that to some extent. We got yeah. an email from somebody called Amanda. Uh, Amanda said, it's just an article headline. The subject of the email was, why nearly half of Japanese under 40s are virgins? And the email never was met very me. simple. Was, yeah, <laughs> oh, God. And your exotic dildo collection. And there was a, <laughs> one line in the email, and it just says, what? Is this true? Please advise. Thank you, Amanda. <laughs> this article of uh, how everyone in Japan... Seems to be a virgin these days. Mm. I, I at first, I you know, I took, it, I didn't take it at face value. I don't trust everything I read in the Daily Mail, uh, and I don't even read the Daily Mail. God, I, it's the worst. Anyway, I'm not going to go off a tangent there. Mm. Um, <laughs> a rant <laughs> about the Daily Mail, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's true actually. Uh, around 44 percent of unmarried women and 42 percent of men are virgins. Unmarried, that is, um, mm. they're virgins and. Uh, around 60% of women and 70% of men in Japan aged, aged 18 to 34 are single, uh, which is a pretty big amount. In terms of virginity, that's quite a large amount of the population. Mm. Uh, and uh, this was a study undertaken by the National Institute of Population and Social Security Research, which sounds like something out of 1984, George Orwell's <laughs> terrifying vision of the future. National <laughs> Institute of Population and Social Security Research. Um, why do you think it is, though, Pete? Why is everybody a virgin? <laughs> I think um, um, here in England, I think we're cajoled into thinking that you can't be happy alone, and it's sad to be alone, and... It's great to drink and fuck and all this stuff, like, in, in, in Western culture. Our television, our entertainment is a lot more overtly sexual. I think in Japan, uh, from what I've seen, it is sexualized, but there's not quite so much, I don't know, cleavage on shore. There's not quite so much kind of, like, bums on shore. It, it's more fetish, less sexualized, I would sort of say. I'm probably getting right. this massively wrong, but I think in England, I think in, in, in the West, even though we've got this stiff, stiff upper lip, we're kind of between two pillars. Our, all of our um, music videos are hyper-sexualized. You, I mean, you're not going to see the sort of filth in a Nicki Minaj video that you're going to see in, I don't know, an AKB47 <laughs> uh, video. Well, um, yeah. Exa- and that sort of thing. So we're kind of told all the time that you need to be fucking, you need to be having sex, you need to be doing this. Um, but but 
in Japan, maybe it's a little bit under the covers. It's a little quieter, and, and you never see people like kissing on, on the tube. You never see ki- people kissing in the street, true, sort of true. thing. It's just it's not as open. It's not quite as sexualized, maybe. Yeah, public displays of affection are a bit of a no-no in Japan. Um, I even I felt awkward in the past when I was mm. dating my Japanese girlfriend, just walking around holding hands or yeah. kissing in public. You know, it always. I remember seeing some sort of foreign couple just kissing somewhere in central Tokyo once and everyone was staring. Um, but, of course, your exotic answer is probably wrong. Uh, my answer, or the, the answer that I think is more scientifically accurate, is thoroughly boring. It's oh. actually to do with long working hours and money worries, among oh, yeah. reasons, mainly. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Off your five-minute discussion or five minute monologue about sexuality and culture and no, fucking it's money worries <laughs> yeah i've heard that i i've heard that um uh, there used to be a practice i don't think it happens quite so much anymore but um for a date uh, men would um pay a certain amount of money to the woman uh, just for a date uh, back in the day it doesn't happen quite so much anymore but it's just kind of like if you're going to take my time up and you might be an absolute rotter um, you pay me for your time it's good sir well I mean that kind of goes in line with host culture snack mm. bar culture right in yep. Japan um, which is the article that I wanted to get onto this is an article that I'd read and I don't know if they're connected to what we just discussed uh, and the, the kind of host culture in Japan I don't think there's much of a connection I think the reason there is a great deal of virginity uh, and a lot of single people in Japan is just the pressures of uh, life and, you know, because the Japanese economy hasn't really... It's been re- relatively stagnant for, t- mm. for 20 years now. They call it the lost two decades. Uh, there's been no, like, increase in wages and things. So mm. people are under a lot of pressure and they don't want to get in a relationship and have a family and have children when they've got that kind of fear and the worries of money and finances hanging over their heads. Yeah. Um but on the, other ha- on the other hand, we've got Roland, King of the Hosts. And this is the article. Uh, the article title was Roland, King of the Hosts, Top Earner and Most Successful, hub- hub- uh, most successful Host Club uh, Host in Tokyo, who rakes oh. in $375,000 per month. My God. And his job is to basically flirt with women that come into his host club mm. uh, for hours on end. Um, this guy, he has the record, I think, for making the most amount of money in one night as a host uh, as a host in a host club. He managed to get people in a club to spend 10 million yen in one night, which is $88,000. Now, granted, it was his birthday, uh, so his patrons came in and uh, obviously wanted to buy him some exotic drinks and, you know, praise his brilliance as a club host. But mm. that's still a phenomenal amount of money. To think in one night $88,000 was spent is incredible. Um, what do you know of a host club, Pete? Um, what do you know of Japan's ve- very, very little. Um, the idea of kind of monetizing um, women's affections in such an overt and obvious way, I find fascinating. Can I have some money now? Is just a weird dynamic. I don't really understand it. Um, but you do see them occasionally in Kabukicho and um, I think Osaka. You sort of see the guys usually wearing like re seventies um, tight suits, but with flared trousers and uh, big, big collars uh, you just see them sort of hanging outside clubs trying to get uh, women in to uh, you know chat to them and, and give them money effectively it's it's a strange discipline well, well historically uh, hostess bars obviously run by women i think i think host the host bar culture came about around the 60s the first one opened in kabukicho the mm. red light district in tokyo which you just mentioned uh, in shinjuku 
And these days, that's kind of the capital of host club culture, Kabakura hostess culture in general. Um, but host culture came about supposedly because women's desires to be taken care of by Japanese men and be loved back yeah. wasn't really happening as much as they'd like. Uh, and these days, I think there are far more Japanese businesswomen that have a lot more money to spend and are willing to do so in a host club where you would typically spend on average 500 to $600 if you go into these places. Jeez. And when you do go in, you you go in... Now, I've never been to a host club. I've been to a hostess club and I've been to snack bars and I'll get onto the difference in a minute. But in a host club, you go in, you get a little menu, you point at the guy you want to talk to first. Typically, throughout the evening, you'll be there anywhere between two hours to four or five hours. And the hosts, the guys in the club will rotate around and you'll get to meet and sit and drink with every single one of them during the course of the night. Mm. Um, these guys are masters of conversation. They're a little bit flirty. They're good at chatting. Uh, typically aged between 18 to 23 on average. I think Roland himself is actually 26. Uh, and... Yeah, their their job is basically to get you to spend money on exotic drinks like champagne, whiskey, get in, spend all your money, and they take a cut of the money that's spent. So yeah. they work on a kind of commission basis. Um, yeah, I really do want to go in. I'd love to go in and film one. I probably could if I wanted to, but I, something about the whole concept makes me a little bit weirded out, I guess. And when you when you see what these guys are dressed like, they're very snazzy, often quite feminine as well, aren't they? Like Roland himself. If you look up Roland, there's a you you can find him on Instagram. I think he's literally just Roland or Host TV on YouTube. He's the host of a a YouTube channel about host culture. Uh, but Roland himself has had a lot of plastic surgery. He's got very long hair. Uh, when I showed him to Pete earlier, Pete, you said he looked like David Bowie. Mm, he looked like a weird alien boy uh, who's fallen yeah. down to earth and <laughs> has decided to take all of the money off women. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, at this point, you sort of say, "What a great portrait <laughs> of, of a man!" Yeah. He's, I mean, he's, he's incredibly well sculpted. He has had uh, plastic surgery. He uh, he admits, but yeah, I, I, what a str- what a strange looking man. Apparently, he when he got the plastic surgery done, it actually he started turning over double the amount. But he normally did, uh, and now he, he spends up to two thousand dollars a month just to maintain it, just to <laughs> which is a lot of money, but not a lot when you consider he makes you know tens of thousands of dollars every month. Yeah, but what what kind so of I maintenance are you are you getting for two grand a month? That's what I would say. Plumping yeah, fillers, up. yeah, it must become some kind of bore He's only twenty six though, and Japanese people aren't known for looking haggard, are they? <laughs> They're quite young looking, aren't they? Know, right? Weird. I think I think that's. The reason he's so successful is something quite unique about him. He does look like more like an anime character than a mm. real person to some extent. I'm sure he's a lovely guy. I'm sure he must be <laughs> bloody good at talking to be turning over so much money. I want to meet him myself and mm. have some sort of flirtatious conversation with him to see how he does it, what the secrets are. I'd certainly take a few pointers from him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's also got a Porsche, and apparently he likes to live in ho- hotels because that suits his lifestyle better than having a home. Oh, again. So he just likes. He doesn't like tidy. T- he's like um, Jose Mourinho, who's been living in the Lowry for the last three years in Manchester. It's the same. It's he's exactly the same. Jose Mourinho, <laughs> infamous manager. Yes, they're the same. Incredible. Um, when we meet up for our cycle, who knows? Maybe we can pop into a host club because we're going to be going to Osaka anyway. Mm. So. Could do in. it. We could do it. I, re- I read once I, about um, the only. There's only like ever been two or three gaijin hosts because 
you kind of have to be very familiar not only with Japanese language but also like um, slang and also um, local variations of the language and stuff. I mean, I've so I've been into. You're right. There's not many. As far as I know, there aren't many foreign uh, hosts. There are quite a few foreign hostess girls working in hostess bars in mm. certain areas in Tokyo. Not across the country, but certainly in Tokyo. Um, actually, a lot of hostess girls are from the Philippines, from my experience, what I've found. So I, it's, it depends. When you say foreign, I guess you mean Western. I mean, right? sorry, Western, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It, uh, we, we sort of think that this is, oh, isn't this crazy that uh, women would spend money on uh, chat, just chatting to men? I mean, the, uh, the, let's just say 70% of the entirety of the entertainment industry in Japan will very much be male-focused. Made cafes, well, I mean, horse bars, yeah. strip clubs, sex brothels. Yes. Yes. I mean, you've, well, you've, been to a, you've been to a snack bar. Steady. I thought uh, you were a sex I took, brothel. I took you to one. <laughs> I took you to one, didn't I? No, it's not a brothel, luckily. <laughs> we took you to one. How would you I, describe the experience? Um, I didn't have a great time because it was a horseback. It was, I mean, to be fair, it was the only bar in town, it seemed. It was a very quiet town, wasn't it? And we went to this place, and I didn't know it was a snack bar. Um, if you want to um, tell the people what a snack bar is. So, hostess bars, you go in, and again, you have this menu system. You'll choose... The, the girl you want to meet, usually it's a girl you talk to regularly if you go there every week or every month or whatever. Mm. Um, and, yeah, they sit with you, they flirt with you, they pour your drinks, they light your cigarettes, just basically massage your ego in general, make you feel brilliant and masculine. Mm. That's a hostess bar. I've not been to many of those, um, and I don't, I don't enjoy going to them. Let me get that out there. I don't enjoy going to them. <laughs> but I've been to snack bars quite a lot. Snack bars are usually a sort of cheaper variant um, they're a lot more frequent outside of Tokyo. Uh, certainly where I used to live in Sakata, where I took you, there's tons of snack bars because right. they're cheapish. You go in, you get a bit of whiskey or some shochu, some Japanese sake uh, for a reasonable price. And then you sit there and they just pour your drinks and talk to you and you sing karaoke and eat crappy snacks that you actually get addicted to quite a bit if, you, <laughs> if you're there for a few hours. I've stuffed myself with a fair few hundred yen chocolates. Many an evening there. But <laughs> it is the only entertainment there is a lot of the time mm. in the Japanese countryside. Certainly that town uh, in Sakata, there's not a whole lot. There are no nightclubs or discos or anything. That's what people do. You know, mm. you go to an izakaya or a restaurant and then you go to a snack bar afterwards. Yeah. Um, so the one I took you to was a popular one in the middle of the town. And yeah, we went in, didn't we? And we were greeted by about three or four women Snack bars also, you find the staff are a little bit older as well. Mm. Hostess bars, they have, uh, you know, women that we, I guess you would associate with being models or something like that. Whereas snack bars are a lot more casual. The women are just much more natural, usually in their 40s. Many of them are mm. often retired from hostess bars as well. Ah. Uh, and yeah, that, they're, they're a lot more cheaper and informal than hostess bars, snack bars. So I prefer them. I don't mind it. My friend loves to go in them all the time just to hang out and chat with people. Um, I've always found that as a foreigner going into a snack bar, the conversations get very repetitive uh, because it is basically the same, you know, three questions. Where are you from? Why are you in Japan? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Harry Potter. And that's basically the three <laughs> topics of conversation. And it's, then it's, I, it's, it kind of runs dry after that. It's, it's hard to sort of overstate how normalised snack bars and, to a lesser extent, hostess bars and maid cafes are um, in Japan. I mean, I, when I was told that it was a, maid, a, a um, snack bar, the, the, the one that you took me in, I was like... No, I don't, I don't like this at all. This is this is the sex industry. <laughs> um, but you go in and it's like yeah, yeah. everyone's just 
regarding it as being normal. And I guess, you know, if you hang out with mates who, you know, like a, you know, a, a topless bar or something in, in London, maybe, you know, that, that's, mm. that, that's also normalised to a certain extent. But culturally in society, in society um, the idea of a snack bar is just people talking. I, I'm not. 100% comfortable with it. I don't think you are either, to be honest, Chris, but um, it's, it's, um, it's, an interest, it's interesting that it's so normalised, I think it's fair to say. I think, yeah, I, I've, been, I've been, been to quite a few over the years, especially in Sakata. You've been there too long. Uh, where I used to live. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still feel a bit uncomfortable and weird going in, but there's nothing shady to it, really, you know. You no. go, it's just the idea of sitting there and you go in with, like, two friends and then you'll have one or two women come and just sit with you and talk to you and pour drinks uh and the comments are often i don't know it just feels very superficial you're fully aware that you're paying for the these you know women to come and sit with you and pour your drinks and talk to you and that kind of they'll say to you can i have a drink and you'll be like yeah sure have what you want and then you're paying for their drinks right Mm. and then it gets expensive very quickly i'll never forget the look on your face uh, I remember sitting there, it was me, I think Natsuki on my left, and then there was just you sitting opposite me, sandwiched between two <laughs> two women who were trying to force a microphone into your hand, and you looked so uncomfortable, <laughs> because, you, again, you had that image of it being some sort of sex brothel-esque atmosphere, sex brothel. but it was really just casual place, yeah. Mm. Uh, and Weird. then, of course, you brought the house down with your rendition of, I can't remember, I think it was a Backstreet Boys song. It was uh, Backstreet's Back All Right. All right. Of course it was. We'll have to sing some karaoke uh, once again when we get back, uh, when we get together. We'll have to have a couple of drinks yeah. in, in between your biking. In a snack bar. In a snack bar. Because <laughs> <laughs> last time I think I sang karaoke with you guys, Natsuki went up and sang some horrific clash, I think. <laughs> um, some terrible Rock clash. The Casbah, by I the think clash. he sang Rock the Casbah. And I think I might have sang a David Boy track. I got a little round of applause from the, pit, the, from the bar patrons. Never got that before. Yeah, I think you're... I think I think your definition of round of applause is <laughs> different from mine. I think that was more like a a slow clap. Yeah, a they were, they were, slow they, clap. were they were they were they were putting their fist into their hand like that. I'm going to beat you up <laughs> for that abusing the thin white but joke like that. That's the thing at a snack bar. You could be an atrocious singer, <laughs> but everyone will cheer you on, um, and it's it's not good because you, you'd go in and there's usually some guy in his fifties or sixties who's obscenely drunk, like hunched over. <laughs> Clasping a microphone, ruining the room with the sounds of his dying cat voice. An atmosphere comprised 40% of smoke, his awful voice ringing out, everyone <laughs> cheering him on. It's a weird atmosphere to be in, but one that you won't miss if you travel to one of, if you, if you pay a visit to one of the 100,000 snack bars across Japan. Um, yeah, I, I love it. Do you, would you recommend it? I'd recommend popping in just to see what, what's going on. It's, it's not, again, with the. Um, with the caveat ringing in your ear that um, it is kind of normalised and it's not as uh, tawdry as you you might think as a, a Westerner. Yeah, go in with an open mind and try not to feel too uncomfortable mm. is, is the best advice I'd have, yeah. But you'll, you'll often hear them before you, you see them. You'll hear, like, <laughs> someone screaming karaoke. It'll be muffled because they're behind a closed door, obviously. Mm. That's another thing about a snack bar. Like, there are no windows, right? So you feel very contained, don't you? You know, the doors are closed... There's no windows, there's no way in or out, apart from that one door. And you often feel, like, very trapped in, especially with all the sp- cigarette smoke and, and the noise and whatever. It's a very, I don't know, claustrophobic-style atmosphere. <laughs> but, yeah, give it a shot, give it a shot. But those are the key differences between a host bar, hostess bar, 
and a snack bar. Mm. Snack bars are cheapest. Hostess bars, you're going to be looking at $300 a night. Host host clubs, you're going to be looking at probably more. Um, and, yeah, if you feel daring, why not go and give one a shot? Mm. What's a, what's a kibakura? Well, that is basically a hostess club, kibakura. Oh, right, okay. It's a gairaigo, a foreign borrowed word that ah. sounds... Well, what do, you, what do you think it means? Kabakura. Kabakura. In English. No. Where's Kabakura? Have I been to Kamakura? Is that a place? Or is it a thing? Yes, that's, that's the ancient town outside of Tokyo. <laughs> that's different. <laughs> that's not Kabakura. Oh, think well. about it. Kabakura. Kabakura. Oh, as in, as in kya, uh, uh, bar. Yeah, uh, in English. What's the uh, word? Kya... This is the problem. I can never get the Romaji nonsense. I can never sort of go, what is that meant to mean? Bar. Well, bar's in there. Kia. Kia. Host bar, yeah. Host bar in Japanese is host club. Host club. Host club. Yeah. And and snack bar is snack club. Snack bar. Snack bar. Snack bar. Snack bar. Kabakura. Is Kabakura, but Kabakura, I think it's derived from the word cabaret, as in cabaret. Oh, forms. cabaret. How could nah, you not get I was that? never going to get that. I was never going to get that from, from cabaret to Kabakura. <laughs> my, I don't know why my image of North England is cabaret. Is that a wrong image to have? What, like working men's club, men with big kipper yeah, ties yeah. doing um, bawdy uh, racist jokes? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your, <laughs> the town of Hartlepool, Pete's hometown, ladies and gentlemen. That's, <laughs> that's what goes on there. I've been, um, I've um, been trying, I've been trying my very best to remember um, a term that you used in the previous podcast, uh, which is um, shitsure, shitsure Like, can I come in? Sort of, can I come in? Or apologies? What is it? Shits, uh, I, but I can't say the shits quick enough. Shitsure It's kind of you. Kind of just cut out the I sound altogether. Mm. It's like shitsure you um, say it when you go into a room. Mm. So if I went into the staff room, the the main staff room, the office room at my school where I used to work, where the administrators were and where the, the principal was, you'd go in, you'd sort of say, oh, I'm being, sorry for being rude. You mm. know, you're kind of apologising for interrupting something. Because there's a lot of bars that you go into are incredibly quiet and you're usually like opening a door um, and sort of saying, oh, hello, can I, can I come in and have a drink, please, or a bit of food? Um, and it, I, I think you wouldn't, I, you wouldn't use that phrase when going into somewhere like that. It's more of a formal oh. term, you know, oh, okay. going into some somewhere a place for authority ah. uh, students would often say when coming into the staff room if they wanted to te- speak to teachers if you're going into a host club just say hello I'm Pete <laughs> I'm from Igirisu drink on a guy shamas <laughs> in that exact dialogue I'm up for do it do that and you'll be straight in yeah just when you go into a bar you sort of just awkwardly pop in and say hello and then just how many people you, you have coming mm. and okay. you're in <laughs> you're in you're there I still You're feel in. very nervous going in, though. That's the main thing. Well, again, I think it's just the closed door culture, right? Yeah. With um, with the with the snack bars, they're in buildings where you have like thirty snack bars per floor. They're often pretty small, uh, run by one woman, woman usually in her forties or fifties, mama, mama san, uh, a mother figure, and then there's usually kind of two or three younger staff right. that are in their twenties or thirties. And that's what a snack bar is. They're very small. So you have them crammed in these buildings. You go into one building, you'll see signs for literally dozens of snack bars just outside the front, neon signs. It's quite captivating. If you mm. walk through a nightlife district anywhere in Japan, any town, you'll see 
loads of them with all sort of weird names. Like my favourite one in Sendai, there's a there's a, a host club, a hostess club called Secret Sexy Club or something. <laughs> uh, yes. I put it in a video once because I just thought that was a great idea. Um, they have things like Happy Time or Club Peach or Club Magic. They have like really exotic, comical names. Like maybe on the cycle, I'll just go around chronicling all these weird names because they're <laughs> absolutely hilarious. I love them. I don't know who thinks them up or how they do it. Probably just straight into Google Translate. Yeah. I'll just find something. But, what's what's uh, in our club? Yeah. Well, it's secret and it's sexy, so uh, bang that in there. Lovely. The first rule of Secret Sexy Club. We do not talk <laughs> about Secret Sexy Club, apart from the 30-foot sign out the front, which was... Yeah, there's just a massive sign out the front of Secret Sexy Club, giving away the fact that it is a Secret Sexy <laughs> Club. That's my favourite thing about Secret Sexy Club, the sheer irony of it all. Well, brilliant. We'll we'll take it. We'll take an ad break now, and I'll use the secret <laughs> sexy club um, ID slash interbrick bumper, <laughs> as you would call it. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box, and if you break it down, it really comes out to two dollars a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural. Natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss and to my surprise I stumbled across a secret sexy club wow and we're back welcome back to the show guys 
It's the Abroad Japan podcast. We never put ad breaks in um, properly. I always just stick them in where I can. Well, yeah. the ads on our podcast are basically just your voice talking in another podcast. So. Yeah, pretty much. That seems to be the... It does, doesn't even feel like a stretch to call it an ad. One day we'll have <laughs> other ads, maybe. I don't know. We do it for fun. Um, right, so we've got some messages here through the Abroad Japan podcast, gmail.com <sighs> fax machine. Uh, the first one is from Jake. He says, hello, Chris and Pete. I am planning a holiday to Japan next year, and I was wondering how much it would cost to have to hire Chris as my personal tour guide for oh. two weeks. <laughs> also, what website would you recommend I use to plan my trip to multiple cities in Japan? Keep up the good work. Jake from New Hampshire, I'm USA. Going to, I'm going to start a maid cafe where everyone is dressed as Chris Broad with Chris Broad masks, what? and they got to be nice to you, and they've got to show you around town. Hire my Chris Broad. It's going to be that wonderful. That sounds completely out of character, me being nice. <laughs> I know. If somebody, well, if no, I was, you'd be if, abusive. If it was a yeah. maid cafe under my name with my branding, yeah. you would walk in, and then I would make some off-the-cuff sarcastic remark that's yeah. probably borderline an insult. Like, <laughs> you'd then... probably walk in and be like... What do you want? Why are you here? <laughs> come on then, come inside. What do you want to drink? <laughs> Eat some food. Have some pasta. Have some fun, why don't you? It'll be like that. And, and, Sounds quite and then, threatening, doesn't and it? And then there'd be a Natsuki character that's nice and confusing and uses weird Yeah, the Natsuki would come out and cuddle you and pat you on the shoulder and <laughs> smoke alongside you for three hours. <laughs> 20 Marlborough cigarettes. Um, if you were to hire me, hire me as a personal tour guide for two weeks, I would charge... Uh, I don't know, really. $88,000. Oh, yeah. Times 14 days. Because I want to <laughs> at least be the same price as Roland. Roland. The aforementioned king of hosts. I want to be <laughs> at that level. Yeah, definitely. And then you can get that plastic surgery you've always wanted. That's right. I can Make you look like a weird space boy. Nose. I yeah, I don't know what I'd do. I'd probably do something with my nose. <laughs> I'll make my nose a bit better and my... I, I, get, I always have bags under my eyes. People always comment on my videos saying I look distressed or tired or something, which, to be fair, I probably am. But So if I could take care of that issue, if I could get rid of the bags under my eyes and always look happy and awake, then that'd be Well, that'd be I mean, great. check out my appearance on uh, Chris's uh, bike ride uh, video, <laughs> daily video blog. You'll see a, a tired man who's jet-lagged <laughs> and got big old puffy eyes. You'll, <laughs> you'll see someone that really needs plastic surgery. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh... Uh, <laughs> Actually, no, comments about you are always very flattering. They're always like, wow, Pete's better looking than I expected. So, always get always you know. get the self-depreciation in early, and then people <laughs> can only be nice to you. <laughs> on, on the narrative. Exactly. Mm. Um, well, to Jake, uh, I don't think I'm the hire as a personal tour guide. A lot of people actually ask me if I would do that, mm. and I just don't have the time and... Even if there was lots of money involved, I'd still be a crap tour guide. Like, I wouldn't be fun. I wouldn't <laughs> be able to pull off the flirtatious banter of King Roland. Mm. Uh, and I wouldn't really be enthusiastic about things. I'd just sort of be like, oh, here's the biggest Starbucks in Kyoto, and here's the best McDonald's. Look at the special burgers that are on offer at McDonald's this week. Yeah, <laughs> let's have fun. That's basically all it would be. Yeah. You wouldn't see anything of real historic or cultural value. <laughs> it would just be a disappointing tour of Japan. In fact, there's probably a market for that, a disappointing tour of Japan. Yeah, definitely. $88,000 <laughs> a day. Money well just, spent. You just stay in your As hotel. for a website, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Sit in That'd the bath. That would be awful. <laughs> just me sitting in a bath and, yeah. That's not a tour. That's just me on an average evening. Um, 
Websites for Japan, I guess there's Japan Guide. That's a very good website. I often use that. Japan Guide and Odigo, who I've worked with in the past. They have quite a cool website where it's all built around a map, so you can plan out your trip on a map. So I like that. Ah, cool. But Japan Guide's also good. They've got a lot of good information there. Uh, those are the two I'd go with, Odigo and Japan Guide. Um, do you have any, Pete, that you use? What do you use when you plan your trip in Japan? I just put loads of stuff on Google Maps. I just put loads of um, Google Maps. Little little pins everywhere, and then I forget which ones I've actually been to, and I get very confused. <laughs> there you go. Just do what Pete does. Yeah. Actually, Google's been quite good recently. If you go on Google Maps, you type in the city, there'll be like ten things to do in the city as ranked by Google. So yeah, I can actually I recommend that. This time um, this time round, I'm uh, going to be using a um, SIM card. I usually use one of those little um, Wi-Fi dongles, uh, but this time I'm. Um, I'm actually Dumb. buying a buying a Japanese um, SIM card to see. It, getting unlimited data for like two weeks in Japan on a SIM card is actually quite difficult. They're always like limited by like 30 mm. gigabytes or 20 gigabytes. I think maybe as high as 50 gigabytes. But if it, I sort of look at my how much I sort of use it and how much I would be using it while I was away, I mean, I'd, I'd be definitely smashing through 30 gigabytes very easily. You reckon? I mean, yeah. I've, I've only got 20 gigabytes a month on my phone in general. Like, what the hell are you using for your <laughs> phone for? Oh, I don't know. Well, yeah. yeah. Mm. No, I think 30 gigabytes is more than enough for a mm. two-week holiday, definitely. Well. Unless you're going to be watching films and TV whilst travelling around Japan. <laughs> got to have me EastEnders. No, you, yeah, well, why not? Um, <laughs> got a message here from Steve. <laughs> Steve Hall, who says, Hello, Pete and Chris. Wow. It's one of the first emails where it's been the other way around for once. Yes. Usually it's hello, Chris and Pete. Lennon Pete and McCartney. One nil to Pete. McCartney and after Lennon. 28 weeks of doing <laughs> podcasts. Uh, I was wondering... No, it's not 28 weeks. I don't know what it is. That was just a rough estimate. It's probably I think we're like... Something. I think we're like... Th- I think we're episode 30... Cracking off a of 40, I think. Not too bad, is it? It's terrifying. Terrifying. I can't believe I've actually consistently done something for this. <laughs> uh, hello, P and Chris. I was wondering if there's a tourist season in Japan and if there's a time of year with less people travelling to and from Japan. I'm asking because I work for an airline and can get good deals by travelling on standby. But if the flight is full, I can get booted off. I wouldn't want to get stranded in Japan when I need to be back at work. It's a very first world problem, I know. Ha ha ha. Steve Hall. Um, <laughs> well, Steve... There is lots of good times and bad times to come to Japan. I wouldn't come to Japan in early May, late April, Golden Mm. Week, one of the largest holidays in Japan, uh, where everyone just basically has a holiday for a week or two and the whole country comes to a standstill, and it's horrible. Um, There's also Obom, the big holiday in August. Usually, I think it's the first or second week of August, you want to be not in Japan. Uh, because the worst time to come to Japan is not when there's a tourist season, but when there's a domestic holiday, uh, really. That's the worst time to come. Like, uh, you've never encountered that, have you, Pete? You no. Came, last year you came in September, which is a really good time to come. September, October, best time to come for my money. I've only ever come in, like, uh, sort of March, April time, and also um, September, October time. That's the only time I've ever I've ever travelled mm. to Japan and back. I do, I, I do have some experience um, travelling standby, though. Um, and because a lot of the flights are business, flights do get um, moved around quite a lot. And so I've I've been on standby before because my mate is um, used to work for British Airways, so I used to get like friends and family. And so I've like lucky devil. Oh, it was so good. I, so you'd so you'd pay like the best part of like three hundred fifty four hundred quid 
you'd get on a uh, like so that would be like for a business class flight and it'd be like 200 mm. quid for a, for a normal flight but again you'd get so if you were in business and there was no business things you'd get bumped down to um to economy but even then like it's still a lot cheaper than you know 900 1000 pounds to 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 get out there um so i've never once not gotten what i've paid for so to speak when it comes to a business class or or a economy when it comes to getting to Japan and back. Devil. Oh, it, it was amazing. And, and then he moved to not British Airways, so now he works for like a train not company. British it was Airways. very upsetting. Was so How upset. will you be flying to Japan for the cycle in the run-up? Will you be coming first class? No, I was going to... I think I've said on the podcast, previous podcast shows, I was going to... I was going to do uh, an upgrade to business. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to get myself an upgrade to business. And then I wow. rang them up and they went, yeah, it's going to be four grand. I was like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> absolute yeah, nonsense it is for a 11 12 hour flight you're better off just taking some sleeping pills sitting yeah, in economy massively. and then going off to narnia for 12 hours instead definitely yes but there you go um yeah but there you go steve hopefully that's answered your question i mm. uh yeah the really worst time to come may and august other than that i'd say you're all good yeah, mm. and I wouldn't come at August just because it's too damn hot. And the winter's a bit too cold. I'd avoid December and January as well. But other than that, best of luck. Have a great time. And if you guys have any questions to send to us in the Broad Japan podcast at gmail.com, do so. Send your questions, send your comments, send your stories. But for now, that is all. Uh, we'll be back same time next week on Wednesday. But for now, guys, no matter where you might be out there in the big wide world, have a great week and we'll see you then. Bye for now. Bye. Can anyone get me on their friends and family? I'll be here. Cheers. <laughs> Scrounger. Scrounger. It's so good, though. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.